we pray that your gospel message will go into all the world. So we do pray for Venezuela and for the Warao people. We pray in general for the country of Venezuela. We pray that you would, uh, that you would bring peace and uh, that you would watch over the people there. Lord, there, it's such difficult times there. We pray uh, for our brothers and sisters there that they would be strengthened and encouraged to keep walking with you and be light shining for you. And we pray that you would take care of the needs of the people there. Thank you, God, for your sovereign, watchful care over them. And God, we also pray for the Warao people. We pray that the gospel would go forth to the ends of the earth. We pray that those who know you amongst the Warao would keep growing in their faith and proclaiming your word. And we pray that the gospel would continue to spread and be uh, honored as it goes forth. Would you build and strengthen your church amongst them as well? And God, we pray for that here too. Would you build and strengthen your church here? Help us today as we look into your word. Help us to hear from you. Help us to hear wisdom from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're doing a new sermon series here. The sermon series will probably last us a couple of months. We're going to look at the book of Proverbs. Uh, I've been here for about 11 years and I'm finally getting the courage to preach through the book of Proverbs and we're not going to preach all the way through it like we do with with some books we start at the beginning and we go all the way to the end Uh, with Proverbs you almost have to take a thematic look at it Uh, so we're going to do that but I want to encourage you as we start this sermon series to read the book of Proverbs read it maybe a couple of times over the next couple of months and uh, as you're doing that, maybe pick out some favorite verses and if you want to send them to me go ahead and do that and I might just include them in the sermons uh, I've done that. Somebody already has done that ahead of time, and I included one of those verses. Um, pick out some of your favorite verses, memorize them, get to know wisdom from the book of Proverbs, and it's, it's truly a wonderful book. Um, so first question, what is a proverb? Well, here are a couple of quick descriptions that I came across this week. Proverbs are sentences of ethical wisdom, or subtle and practical understanding of life. Or another one is wisdom literature. I like that. There are, there are different kinds of literature in the Bible. You, you know that, I think, but it's helpful sometimes to hear that, that, that some books are different than others in the way that they're written, and Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Theologian Raymond Ortland said, the book of Proverbs is practical help from God for weak people like us stumbling through daily life. Isn't that great? We all could use that, couldn't we? In the study notes in my Bible, it talks about Proverbs as general rules. And although we might be able to find some exceptions to those generalities, Proverbs tells us how life works most of the time. And it says there that the rule is that the godly, moral, hardworking, and wise will reap many rewards. Now, of course, we can think of an exception to that. You can think of the the ungodly, lazy person who wins the lottery. Um, but even then, I think Proverbs would have something to say about them. If they continue to be ungodly and lazy, then their wealth isn't going to be blessed. So Proverbs really does offer wisdom from so many different angles, so, like, a, like a fine jewel that has so many different facets. That's kind of what the book of Proverbs is like. Here's another way I like to understand Proverbs. The word proverb is similar to the word parable. In fact, you could even potentially say that they're the same that proverb and parable are the same thing. So think about how Jesus used parables to teach lessons. Each parable that he told had a meaning within the story, like it, it makes sense as a story, but then those, those parables also have a spiritual meaning as well. So it, Jesus was talking to the people on two different levels, and we know that because sometimes the people didn't get the connection there between the story and the spiritual meaning. 
So, for example, when Jesus said in Matthew 6, the eye is the lamp of the body, he was using a Proverbs-like teaching style. In fact, many verses in the book of Proverbs are just like that. They're almost like little mini-illustrations. They use something we know, and they use it to explain a spiritual truth. In fact, many of the Proverbs use a part of the body as an an analogy or as an example. And that's how I'm putting together this sermon series. You you kind of have to pick a way that you're going to go at Proverbs. And the way that I picked it is that we're going to look at Proverbs by looking at the various body parts that are mentioned in Proverbs. That's why I've entitled it Good for the Body, Good for the Soul. So over the next two months or so, we're going to study these Proverbs by looking at the various body parts. Uh, Let me show you, again, the, the, the theme for this sermon series, Good for the Body, Good for the Soul. Let me show you one of the passages where this comes from. Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 22. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to a man's whole body. Now, of course, the main goal of Proverbs isn't just physical health, and and neither is this sermon series going to be a sermon series about physical training. If so, I would not be the right person to give that sermon series. Now, what we're going to do here in this series is look at how Proverbs teaches us wisdom by using these mini parables of the body parts. And we're going to start with our brains. Now, I looked in my concordance, the the translation of the Bible that I use, nowhere in the Bible do you see the word brain, but in the book of Proverbs, we see the the word wisdom a bunch. In fact, uh, I I think it's pretty safe to say a lot of theologians assume that the main theme of the book of Proverbs is wisdom. So that's our theme for today. It's actually going to be the theme for the entire sermon series. So you, you could say that today is kind of an introduction to that series. But we're going to think about our brains and, and this quest for wisdom that we're on. Um, one theologian, Derek Kidner, said the key question of the book of Proverbs is wisdom versus folly. So the, the question we could ask ourselves is, is what I'm doing wise or is it foolishness? And Proverbs helps us understand. Have you ever heard somebody might say to you, if you've got a major life decision to make, read the book of Proverbs and and see the wisdom there, and then make your choice. And again, this reminds me of what Jesus said. Remember, he used that parable of the wise and the foolish builders. And what was the difference? The wise man heard Jesus' words and did what? What? Obeyed? Obeyed? Yeah. He did them. He put them into practice. So both the wise and the foolish builders heard the words of Jesus, but only one of them, the wise men, actually did what Jesus said. So let's talk about us and our our capacity for wisdom. I was watching a news show the other day, and there was the host and there was a guest, and they started getting really philosophical, and it was really interesting. The guest on the show said, imagine if a group of visitors came to our earth and just analyzed life here. So we'll just say if. You know, I'm not going to make any claims about aliens here, but just say if. Visitors came to our earth and analyzed life here. He said they would notice two things. One, they would notice the similarities amongst all of life. So whether we're talking about a blade of grass or a chicken or a human being, we're all made of similar stuff. We're all made of cells. We all have DNA. So there's a, there's a great similarity amongst all of life. But he said the second thing that, you would, that these visitors would notice is there's a great difference between humans on the one hand and every other life form on the other hand. 
And philosophers for ages have, have noticed this difference. And although it can be a little bit difficult to describe, we all know there's something different about us than all the rest of God's creation. We are the ones who build buildings and roads and cell phone towers. We are the ones who write history books. We, we don't see the animal world doing all those kinds of things. There is clearly something different about us. And the Bible tells us what that is. Right in the first chapter of the Bible tells us what that is. We were created in the image of God. And although in that first book of Genesis it doesn't exactly explain what the image of God means, we know certain things about it. And one of the things that I think it must mean is that we were created with the ability to know things and to make wise choices. And in that we are like God. That, now, I'm not saying that we're gods, don't misunderstand me at all. But what I'm saying is that as God has the capacity to know things and to make wise choices, he created us with the ability to know things and to make wise choices. He gave us our brains and we should use them. We know so much today, don't we? Think about all the things that we could know. There's so much information out there. But there's a difference between just knowing things and having wisdom, isn't it? Let me do a little test here. 23rd president of the USA. Anybody know who that is? I just kind of picked a random number earlier this week. You, okay, Josh, let's see if anybody else knows. Anybody else know the 23rd president of the USA? Josh, probably, he's probably from Ohio. I don't know, but he is. Oh, yeah. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I, I give you permission to use your phones. Somebody's already got it. You got it, Phil? 23rd president? Benjamin, Benjamin Harris. Look how quick. So you did not know that before? No, okay. Maybe like in third grade you knew it or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, never. <coughs> so in a matter of seconds, Phil was able to find out the answer to that question. We have so much information at our fingertips today, and I think a lot of people just assume, well, if I need to know something, I can just go to the Internet and find it. And I, and I think what maybe that has done for some people in this world, it has stunted our wisdom. If we just assume that I, I don't need to know stuff because I can just go find the answer that I need at a moment's notice. Um, you know, I can become a master plumber in 10 minutes by watching a YouTube video, right? We all know how that went for me if you were here a few weeks ago to hear my story. There is something different between just knowing stuff and having wisdom. So what is wisdom? Well, here's my crack at... Uh, well that's, there you go. 23rd President Benjamin Harrison. Here's my crack at defining wisdom knowing how to live life rightly, and then actually living that way. In Proverbs 1.3, it talks about doing what is right and just and fair. So wisdom would lead us into what is right and just and fair, but having wisdom should also mean that we would do what is right and just and fair. So throughout this sermon series, we're going to talk about wisdom. Again, wisdom is our theme for today, but it's also going to kind of be the theme for the rest of the series. But today, specifically, we're going to look at the first seven verses of the book of Proverbs. And the focus of this sermon is our pursuit of wisdom. And my big idea today is we are to be seekers of wisdom. We are to be seekers of wisdom. Now again, God gave us brains and we are to use them to learn his ways. And again, it isn't just about learning his ways, it's also about living accordingly. So we use our brains to seek wisdom. Okay, Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, 
for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Okay, I have two points in my sermon today, and we're going to start at the beginning. Not at the beginning of this passage, but we're going to start at what this passage says is the beginning of our quest for wisdom. In verse 7 it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So my first point today is that our quest for wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. Now, as your mind is quoting verse 7, I bet if I did a fill in the blank, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of blank, a bunch of you would have filled that in with wisdom. Now, were you wrong? Well, no, you're not wrong. In, in chapter 9, verse 10, it actually says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So right away, there's one lesson. There, there's a connection between knowledge and wisdom. Now, now sometimes I think maybe there, is, there are some differences between just knowing something and actually applying it wisely. But also in Proverbs, there's a connection here between, between knowledge, true knowledge from God, and wisdom. And in this verse here, again, we see the starting point. It is the fear of the Lord. Unless you think that the fear of the Lord is just some Old Testament thing, please know that at least seven times in the New Testament, we see the fear of the Lord spoken of in a positive way. Here's one example in 1 Peter 2.17. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. So yes, the fear of the Lord is something that we, as, as New Covenant, New Testament believers, are supposed to have. So what is the fear of the Lord? Well, most theologians start with the idea of respect. It's the idea that we respect God. He is the one who is sovereign. He is in control. He is worthy of worship. He is worthy of our submission to him. But I don't think we just stop with respect. I think proper fear of the Lord also includes this idea that he is the God who, who will judge the living and the dead. And as such, we do not want to be on the wrong side of his judgment. So if God tells us to do something, we should do it. If God tells us not to do something, we should not do it. Out of fear of him, because we do not want to incur his wrath or his judgment upon us. So a healthy fear of the Lord is, is a very good thing for us. We should fear and respect God so much that we listen to him and obey him. That we learn what is right in his eyes. Because again, in our passage, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The theologian Derek Kidner says that this fear of the Lord uh, is the beginning of the knowledge. It's the beginning in, in, in that it is the first and controlling principle. Let me use an illustration here. I had the privilege of going into my daughter's second grade math class this year and, and helping them learn some math. And it's kind of fun It's second grade because they come in knowing some stuff, but they're able to learn a lot of stuff that year. So I came in once a week, and my goal was to start with addition, but then teach them addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. But where do you start? In math, you've got to start pretty much with 1 plus 1 equals 2. Now, they came in knowing that, but they didn't come in knowing a lot more than that. So we... we 1 plus 1 equals 2, and you build, and you build, and you build on that. And even as you go to subtraction, you're just kind of doing addition in reverse. And even then, as you go to multiplication and division, you're still using that principle of 1 plus 1 equals 2. So in that sense, 
1 plus 1 equals 2 is something that we know, but we never move away from. It's not like we learn that lesson and then we, we put it aside because we don't need it anymore. I think that's kind of this idea of the fear of the Lord as the beginning of knowledge. We need to know who God is. And, and we need to remember that, that, that He is the Creator. He is worthy of worship. He is holy. He is love. All those things that we learn about God at the beginning, we are to continue in those things. And, and as we continue to know God and grow in our faith and walk with Him, He then gives us wisdom. You see how that works? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of that. We understand who God is. We rightly walk with Him by rightly submitting to Him. And as we do that, God gives us wisdom. Now, let's think about that in regard to the gospel message. The gospel message is the message that we had all gone the wrong way. Okay? If, if here's the path that God wanted us to take, we had all gone that way, the other way. But God loved us so much that he didn't want to leave us there, so he sent Jesus to our world to live a perfect life and then to take our sin penalty upon himself. So Jesus lived the all-wise, perfect life for us. And when he died, he died for us so that anyone who believes in him can be completely forgiven and can be brought into an eternal relationship with God. Now, think about that in regard to wisdom. First, in our lack of wisdom, we went the wrong way. Every single one of us went the wrong way. Uh, I want to quote Proverbs 16.25 here. It says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Think about that. Every single one of us. That was true of us. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short, short of the glory of God. We took the wrong path. But in response, God sent Jesus. And because Jesus was perfectly wise in all he did, he lived a perfect life. And again, offered himself as a sacrifice for us. Now think about this. The gospel message is not just that we receive that forgiveness and then go back our own way. No, it's not that at all. The gospel message is that we receive Jesus and we go on the path that he has for us. We submit to him fully. We say, God, your way is better than my way. The Bible says God's ways are not our ways. They're higher than our ways. So the gospel message is that we are rescued from that way that led to death. We're cleansed and we're forgiven and we are set on the path in which we walk with God. And that path is the path of wisdom. So we gratefully receive that gift and then walk with Jesus. So let me say it this way. When we give our lives to Jesus, we agree to do life His way. When we give our lives to Jesus, we agree to do life His way. And that is the way of wisdom. True wisdom comes from the Lord. We gain that wisdom as we walk with Jesus. So, this wisdom comes from God. It does not come from the world. Think about Romans 12, 2 in that regard. It says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we're not going to learn wisdom by just walking by the ways of the world. We're going to learn wisdom as our minds are renewed and transformed as we meet with God, as we let Him tell us what wisdom is. So what are we to be? Wisdom seekers. It starts with the fear of the Lord. He is God and we are not. So we go on his way, on the path on which he leads us. But then one more thing from Proverbs 1.7. It says there at the end, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. The word discipline in that verse means correction. 
Fools, now, who are fools? They show up a bunch in the book of Proverbs. The fools are the people in this book who don't care about truth. They would rather go their own way. Think about that. Here's God's way. Fools look at that and say, I don't want any of that. I want to go my own way. Fools will despise correction. So that this discipline, this correction, it can be an uncomfortable thing for us, yet it's so important as we walk with God that we would learn what is not right so that we could also learn what is right, that we could humbly submit ourselves. Now, do you like to be corrected? Raise your hand if you like to be corrected. No, don't do that. But uh, do you, I, I think every one of us kind of feels a little uncomfortable when we receive a word of correction, don't we? Now, for me, it's like, well, hey, I just, I just know things so well that I could never be wrong, could I? Come on. Well, no, let's not live life like that. Let's be humble enough to recognize that we don't always do things right. So if correction comes your way, bite your tongue. Listen to it. And then talk to God about it. Say, God, is there any correction in there that I need? Let's be wisdom seekers. Let's not assume that we already have things perfectly figured out. Let's seek God and listen to him. It starts with the fear of the Lord. And then my second point today, we are to continue to seek wisdom for the rest of our lives. So this quest for wisdom, it starts with the fear of the Lord, but our quest for wisdom should never end. God is infinite, so we have lots and lots and lots to learn from him. Our lives also have so many possibilities, so we need to keep talking to God about what he said is good and true and right. And in this, we are to engage in continuing education. You ever heard that phrase, continuing education? Um, I think of it from the world of the medical field. So I, I asked our resident doctor, Dr. Todd, who, who's not here today, but uh, I asked him what continuing education looks like in the field of dentistry. And for him, every two-year cycle, he has to get 50 continuing education credits as he continues to learn. And for me, I am greatly comforted by the fact that my dentist is continuing to learn stuff. Or think about that. You go to the doctor's office, and if it's somebody older, they're not just relying on the stuff that they learned 40 years ago in medical school. They are continuing to learn new and new things. As, as we learn more and more about the medical field, they're learning more and more about these things as well. Uh, similarly, for Pastor Josh and I, if, if you look at your, your budget that we give out once a year, you will see a line item on there um, that says continuing education for the pastors. So there are things that Josh and I are doing that are for the purpose of continuing education, that we are continuing to learn things uh, about ministry, about theology, things like that. Now for us, we are to engage in continuing education for the rest of our lives, learning wisdom. So if you've got Proverbs 1 open, look with me at some of the words about continuing education in verses 2 through 5. In verse 2, we see attaining and understanding. In verse 3, we see acquiring. Isn't that a neat one? We are to acquire more and more wisdom. And in verse 5, there are commands to let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. So again, we start with the fear of the Lord and then we continue to seek wisdom for the rest of our lives. Even the simple and the young in this passage are urged to get wisdom. Even later on in the book of Proverbs, fools are urged to get wisdom. Think of King Solomon. He wrote a bunch of the Proverbs in this book. Remember at the, uh, when he was just starting out as a young man and knowing that he was to be king of Israel, that he, uh, he knew that he would need wisdom and discretion from the Lord, so he prayed for it, and God was glad to give it to him. Those who don't have wisdom can seek it. And those who do have wisdom 
can grow even wiser. So we are to be on this quest for wisdom. And I was, as I was thinking about people who went on a quest for something of great value, I thought about the gold rush in 1849. So picture people back in 1849, maybe they were just really struggling to make ends meet, and then they hear about gold in California. So they pack up everything they have, maybe in a, in a covered wagon like this, and they go in search of gold. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that we should all put our stuff in a covered wagon and move somewhere in search of wisdom, but I am saying that we should take that mindset of, of seeking wisdom because wisdom is more valuable than gold. Now, obviously, again, wisdom and gold are different, but Proverbs uses this analogy. Look at what it says here in 3, 13 through 15. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Now, in this sense, we are to be wisdom miners. We're, we're to go on a wisdom rush. And, and I, you know, it's interesting. As pastor, I, I often meet people who don't have enough money, and, and they come and they ask for help. And as we have means, we like to help. But, but I would like to think that this city, that this world would be full of people who are seeking after wisdom, too. Not just saying, oh, I don't have enough money to make ends meet, or maybe you do have enough money to make ends meet, but wherever you're at in regard to money, I would hope that we would be people who would seek wisdom. Who would say, I want wisdom so much that I am going to continue to seek it. Now, speaking of wisdom and a path, see, you think about the people in the covered wagon following a path, this reminded me of Jesus again. You're probably familiar with what Jesus said in John 14, 6, where he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. So Jesus is the way. Did you know that Jesus is also wisdom? Dan read that passage in 1 Corinthians 1.30. I'll read it again for you. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So in this sense, our quest for wisdom actually becomes fairly easy. It, it's easy in the sense of all we have to do is seek Jesus. He is wisdom, so we seek him and we find wisdom. Jesus is the ultimate wisdom from God. He leads us in wise ways. He lived a perfectly wise life, so as we look at him, we, we understand what kind of life we are supposed to live. The theologian David Atkinson said, Jesus is God's wisdom, and to know him is to know the ways and will of God for how to behave in this world. So we get to know Jesus more and more. That's wisdom. But then I was thinking about this. Okay, it's, Jesus is part of the Trinity. So let's, let's expand our scope a little bit. We get to know Jesus, but we also get to know God and his word. So, so God's word is a gift. Think of what God's word, the Bible is. It is a book full of wisdom for us. So we are to treasure God's word. We are to mine it for the, for the, the value that is in it. And it's actually easier. You know, when people go to find gold, it's not like, hey, there's just like a gold tree right there. <laughs> but for us, it kind of is that way. Everything we read in God's word is wisdom. We are to seek it and to get to know it. Or we think about prayer. Prayer is another way that we learn wisdom from God. As we talk to him, as we submit our lives to him, he teaches us what is good and right. 
And if we're talking about the Trinity, then we also talk about the Holy Spirit who fills us. Having received Jesus as Savior and Lord, we receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit leads us into what is good and right and wise and true. So we are to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. That means that throughout our lives, throughout our days, we listen to the leading and the prompting of the Holy Spirit in us. So, let's not get lazy in our quest for wisdom. I think that, that some Christians, you know, they, they receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and maybe that's a spiritual high time for them. But then as they go on, maybe they kind of think, oh yeah, I've learned that already. Well, let's not be like that. Again, if we use the math analogy, there is always more math to learn. Let's, let's be people who continue to seek wisdom. Not being lazy, but continuing in God's word, continuing in prayer, continuing to trust in the promptings and the leadings of the Holy Spirit. Again, my big idea, we are to be seekers of wisdom. In my Bible, there's a study note that says that the central message of Proverbs is get wisdom at all costs. It's a plea for us to be seekers of wisdom. Or, or here's another way to think of wisdom. Do you know how your body craves food or sometimes craves sweet food? Do, do any of your bodies ever crave sweet food? Well, listen to Proverbs 24, 13 through 14a. It says, Eat honey, my son, for it is good. Honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Know also that wisdom is sweet to your soul. Now, when I think of sweet foods, I think of Mountain Dew. Now, if a doctor told me, like if I went to the doctor and something's wrong, and the doctor said to me, well, Eric, there's something wrong, and the treatment is that you need to drink more Mountain Dew, I would not need to be told twice about that, okay? My, my body, I'm sure, would prompt me along to do that. Um, wisdom is not only sweet to our souls, it's also nourishment to our souls. So, so we should be people, and maybe think about that. Maybe the next time your body craves something sweet, let that be a prompting to your mind to crave wisdom. Not just food, but wisdom from God. Let's take wisdom in. It is sweet and it is profitable. More than gold. Better than honey. Now, how are we going to get that wisdom? Well, one way, read the book of Proverbs. So again, I want to encourage you over the next couple of months, read the book of Proverbs. Pick out some favorites. Memorize them. If you want to send some to me, email them to me, and I may, again, include them in my sermons. Here's a couple more on, on wisdom that I picked out. 1920 says, Listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. Now, that one's good. It, again, it's that same idea of correction, that the wise person will listen to correction, and we will gain wisdom as we do. And then Proverbs 13:20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. So if you want to grow in wisdom, what do you do? Put yourself around wise people and learn from them. And if you notice that you're around foolish people, well, boy, um, be careful. Um, maybe you need to leave that situation or shine as a light in that situation if God gives you the strength to do that. But please know, if you walk with the wise, you're going to grow wise. So let's keep seeking God's word and God's ways in our quest for wisdom because we are to be seekers of wisdom. Now I want to conclude my sermon today by showing you how this quest for wisdom lines up with our benediction verses uh, and specifically just the first part of it from Colossians 2.6 which says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. 
The reason that we end our services each Sunday with these verses is because they're great reminders of two really important things. Number one, we are to receive Jesus as our Lord. And, and again, as I shared with you the gospel today, I, I reminded you that when we receive Jesus, we make a commitment to go on the path that he leads us on. For him to be our Lord means that we give up that, that part of us that wants to be in control of our lives. We give that to Jesus. We let him lead us. But then, as he leads us, what does he do? He leads us in the path of wisdom. So what are we to do? We are to continue to live in him, like it says there. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. If you've received him as your Lord at one moment in your life, then every moment of the rest of your life should bear witness to the fact that he is your Lord. That's the goal for us. Now think about this in regard to wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if somebody doesn't have the fear of the Lord, the first thing they need to do is they need to get that fear of the Lord and they need to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. That's the the first wise thing you could do. But then from there, we are to continue in that path of wisdom. In every part of our lives, we are to keep on seeking wisdom. That's again why my big idea for today is that we are to be seekers of wisdom. And God will give you this wisdom. Whether you're starting off as one of the young, you young kids, you can learn wisdom. Or whether you're starting off as a simple person, maybe you're the kind of person that, you know, okay, maybe, maybe school was more difficult for you, but you know what? You can learn wisdom from God. There, there's nothing that would keep wisdom away from you. It, you know, God gives people different abilities, different capacities. You don't have to be the smartest person in the world to learn wisdom. And some of the smartest people in the world don't have wisdom, but you can learn it. Even Fools can learn wisdom. Now, fools need to do some repenting. But wisdom is there for us. Again, the wise can grow in their wisdom. So let us be people who keep seeking God's wisdom for the rest of our lives. God will give it to us as we seek him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wisdom. We we thank you for sending Jesus Christ, who is wisdom from God. We pray that uh, if there's anyone in here who doesn't yet know Jesus as Savior and Lord, that they would put their faith in him even right now. God, we thank you for revealing that truth to us, that, that your ways are best, and that starts with the fear of the Lord. It starts with knowing Jesus as our Savior and Lord. And from there, we are to continue with Jesus as our Lord, and we are to continue as seekers of wisdom. So God, would you teach us wisdom? We pray that we would be humble enough to seek you and to listen to you, to listen to your word, to listen to rebuke and instruction when it comes from you. God, whatever you have for us, help us to learn it from you. And God, we just commit again to being on that path with you, the path of wisdom, the path where you lead us into what is right. We confess before you right now, God, that your ways are best, and we give ourselves to you again to walk with you on the path that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.